0: Back in May, on May 26th, 2022, episode 28, I covered a concept saying the ship is sinking. And the idea is that when we look at what's happened the last few years, we have some major challenges in education. The teacher shortage is not going away. The academic setbacks that we've suffered through COVID are going to ripple through our systems for a long time the continued traumas and has has exacerbated the challenging mental issues that our students face. And then there's the politics. You know, organizations are interesting in that the only constant is change. And on the one hand, they're always in flux. On the other hand, it's really hard to get organizations to change in the direction that we want. The new paradigm and where we're at with all of these challenges is our, is our new normal? And I think instead of lamenting and, and mourning what we've lost, I'm wondering, can we embrace this moment? The last really big wave of school change was in the 1980s and the standards movement. And that, of course, didn't deliver the promises and the hopes that we all had for it. So where are we today? And are we at a place where it's time for another big wave? maybe a wave that can deliver, but how do we get there? Hello colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Buskey. The goal of this show is to improve life and leadership for assistant principals and other school leaders. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Mary Hemphill, the CEO and founder of The Limitless Lady, a college professor, author, speaker, and Mary, can I say motivator? I think that yeah. applies to Mary, <laughs> Mary was a guest back on episode 26 when we talked about courage. And today we're going to dive into productive
1: disruption. All right. Welcome back, Mary. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. am super excited to engage.
0: Okay. And can you remind readers of how you got to where you are today? And actually
1: you're somewhere different today than you were a couple months ago. Absolutely. So I'm um, just thinking about my journey. Sometimes I think about it, and I'm like, has it really only been 17 years? But uh, 17 years ago, I was able to graduate from Meredith College here in Raleigh, North Carolina, as a North Carolina teaching fellow, and I returned to the same classroom that I had been a third grade student in. And so it was amazing to be able to tell my students, I sat where you sat, I come from the same community. And at that time as well, I had double majored in Spanish. So I had all of the Hispanic speaking students students and families, and we really, for four and a half years, were able to build a beautiful community. Then went on to become an assistant principal at the high school level, and then since then, I have been uh, blessed to be an administrator at elementary, middle, and uh, high school levels, as well as state director and university professor. So just honored to be able to really speak to Carib to career when it comes to this idea of this educational evolution. Awesome and what are you celebrating today? Ooh, I'm celebrating the fact that we are, and 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 this is so funny that you asked that question. I just did a back to school for a particular district and the renewal of energy, the renewal of hope and the renewal that I'm hearing leaders, and I mean top tier leaders, superintendents, executive directors, curriculum instruction facilitators, that they're giving people permission to innovate Because as you said and talked about productive disruption, people are realizing that the old ways are absolutely not going to fit into the boxes. Let's just take the box out to recycling. The box is gone. But I'm hearing executive leaders in schools giving people permission to be able to innovate. So I am celebrating those who have been courageous enough to tell their teachers, let's do it differently, even if they don't have the algorithm or formula but they're saying, here's the permission to innovate. And I think that's renewing people. And it was so amazing to be in a space where their energy was renewed and where they were excited about the school year again. We haven't felt that in a couple of years. Wow. That's great. Thanks for
0: sharing. And I know we're going to dive into that in a few minutes. So we talked before the the show started. I'm going to kind of set the stage here and then we're just going to go after it. We don't have a set of stock questions, um, but I don't think we need one. So way back in episode one of this podcast, please don't listen to it because it's horrible, but way back in episode one, I talked about the six dimensions of organizations. And so if we can think of organizations as, as existing in a pyramid form, and the peak of that pyramid is purpose. What's the purpose of schools? The three bases then, or the three corners of that those of that pyramid are people, structures, and resources. So this is a basic four dimensions, every organization, purpose at the top, and then we have people, structures, and resources. And then the result of what's happening, the interplay between those four things creates the internal forces or culture. And then there's all the stuff that happens that's largely beyond our control, which are those external forces. When an organization is in alignment, when the people, when the structures and the resources support the work of the people that's focused on the purpose of the school, that's a great place to be. And again, going back to earlier in the show, the challenge is that organizations are always moving. They're always moving influx and moving away in, in different kinds of ways. And so the work of leadership is really about trying to bring alignment. Trying to align the structures, trying to align the resources to support people and grow your people so that they can go out and do the hard work of fulfilling that purpose of your school. Now, the big challenge is that the purpose of school has changed over time. Our schools were built to do mass education and bring in lots of people and built on a model really of factory efficiency. So the structures, the way we allocate our resources, what we train our teachers to do are really predicated on that old purpose of mass education. But now we talk about individualizing and really focusing and achieving different things in our schools for kids. But the problem is we haven't changed all the other stuff. So imagine taking over an old print shop where they used to make newspapers and now wanting to create single pieces of art. We have some challenges. So what do we do? Do we push and push and try to get areas back in alignment or do we do what Mary just talked about and maybe just put it all in a cardboard box and take it out and put it in the recycling. Right, we're going to play with that idea. Disruption.
1: Let's talk, Mary. All right. So I think, first of all, I love this idea of like purpose and structure and resources, and I think that the past two and a half years has shaken the foundation. When you talk about school and the antiquated model of the factory model. Even giving letter grades, thinking about how progress and proficiency and grades are even assigned. We have to understand that for so long we have these old adages. Like I hear teachers that used to say five, 10 years ago, I'm everything. I'm a therapist. I am a uh, a cafeteria manager. I am a, a, a wrangler in the gym. I'm all these things to my students. Well, I think that the past two and a half years, part of the disruption is that we need assistant principals, principals, superintendents, executive leaders, who now say, I'm everything to my teachers. I'm a therapist, I'm a wrangler, I listen, I do all these things. And that is because of compassion fatigue. So when we think about the purpose of school, to educate, to teach, to engage and create citizens who are able to contribute to their local communities in the world, They cannot get there now unless they have adults who, when we talk about whole child, whole teachers, whole adults, whole administrators, but compassion fatigue, the idea that we are in a world that is constantly uplifting, showing, celebrating, and focusing on struggle and tragedy and trauma. These same individuals are coming back into our schools and we send them in front of students for seven and a half hours and say, teach them, pour into them. But you can, you literally now in 2022, four months or 2023, you can't pour from an empty cup. So I've been following this uh, study from LinkedIn. And if you haven't been on the emotional world map, please Google it because the Gallup poll has partnered with LinkedIn and it literally shows the emotional temperatures of our country. And what we're seeing is that over 54% of today's professionals over the past two years have heightened anxiety, heightened burnout, heightened isolation, and heightened loneliness. So when we talk about purpose and resources, we have to really think about the fact that mental health resources, we have to think about the fact that home was not a safe place for every single administrator, every single teacher leader. So as we bring people back to the school building, as we onboard, as we recruit, what is the purpose of school now? It is, yes, it is still to teach and ensure that we are imparting knowledge and education to students, but it is also so that we're incubating great human beings and bringing resources that we've never thought about before into the school building. It's assessing our mental health resources. It's asking questions about support. Instead of asking teachers, hey, are you okay? Saying, have you taken time to rest and recenter today? Checking in with individual teachers, individual staff members and asking them, when you look at the resources in your classroom and you understand today's climate, what's missing that's going to respond to the demographic of students we have today? What are some things that we can do as colleagues to stand in the gap for one another? And I understand that that's not Vykovsky sociocultural theory, but it is, because that theory says that as a community, we can do more when we connect with one another, when we individually understand each other. So I still think that the theoretical frameworks really underpin what school is in terms of purpose, But the structure of how we do it and the resources of how we do it have to look different than ever before.
0: Okay, there are some big ideas, I think, to unpack in there. So let's go to I think the first one, what I'm hearing you say, we're 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 used to as administrators is our job to manage professional development. Right. So we're going to look and see what teachers need and then we're going to dump that into, into teachers. And, and I've heard too many, like, don't hate on me people out there, especially, especially district people listening, but I'm still hearing about driving new curricula and introducing new, new teaching things and just bringing all this stuff onto teachers who are just trying to survive. And, and I think we do need to really move from what we think our teachers need to Building those relationships, focusing on those relationships, and through that understanding having our teachers tell
1: us what they need. Yes, yes, absolutely and And I think that it starts with awareness. <laughs> and I call it exploring your inner territory. And for us as leaders, particularly assistant principals and principals, you're modeling the way for the path forward for your teachers. So the conversations that I've had with school leaders and one question that I always ask is, are you scheduling yourself? And they're like, what what do you mean by that? I said, well, you put your board meetings on there. You put your back to school meetings, your open houses, you put all those things on there. Are you scheduling you? I can I will never forget. I was a principal of one of the schools that I wrote about my book. And I had a new assistant principal. She had just come from the classroom. She was super, super excited. And I remember telling her um, one week that I said, next week, I'm going to take Thursday and Friday as a leadership sabbatical. She was like, what is that? And I said, that is where I take all of the resources with me that I need. And intentionally, I choose the goal that I'm working on as a leader, whether it's personal or professional, and how I wanna show up in this next quarter. I'm only taking those materials and for two days, I'm gonna dig into those things. And she said, well, you know, why are you doing that? I said, because if I don't schedule myself, then what will happen is we'll get to Halloween and we'll be excited that we almost made it to fall break or I'll get to Christmas and be just so tired that I don't even feel like doing anything. And then before you know it, we're at spring break and no change will have happened because I did not invest in myself enough to be able to lead you. I did not know it at the time, but she was thinking about going and getting her dissertation. About a month later, she came to me and she said, Dr. Hempel, do you think it would be okay if I took a leadership sabbatical? And I said, I would be disappointed in you if you didn't. So when you explore your inner territory as a leader, yes, you're gonna uncover things. No, it's not always gonna be in a nice, pretty package. But maybe what you uncover, whether it's in your research, whether it's in your reflection, whether you simply do a staycation and, you know, tell your family, hey, listen, I have to invest in myself. But if you don't invest in yourself in the beginning, you can't reap the reward later. And that requires you to be aware. And you'd be surprised what biases you uncover, what trauma you uncover and sometimes you can't go it alone sometimes you have to say okay i need a team of people who have certifications to help me with my mental health because you are the instructional leader of that school and you said you said something interesting about professional development i think that we the productive disruption means that we have to walk people development beside the professional development Because the way people show up now is not the same as it was even even three years ago. But modeling the way and having the courage to say, I'm going to explore me first, but I also expect and will hold space for you to do the same is a good first step. As I think back
0: to really, I think the most powerful episodes of, of this podcast show there's a really consistent theme. And that theme is that change begins within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's kind of like, it's all about relationships, right? Those in there's a level at which there's a simplicity to those things. Um, but people should not discount the power of them because of the simplicity. And just because something simple doesn't make it easy. It is all about relationships. Change does begin within it is that
1: simple but that's hard work. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's hard and it's scary work, particularly if you've never done it before. Yeah. And I think that's what sh- what people shy away from it. But it's simple, but it's also the right way forward. So I think it's it's
0: interesting as we talk about disruption and taking that cardboard box out, how several things kind of link together for me and what you were talking about. I think when you do that work, you can't do that work without also understanding the relationships you have with other people, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm doing the work with me, but, but there's that space in which we operate together that is really going to inform that work. But to do that work, we have to shift from being task focused to people focused.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. And, and related to that, I think when, when we're running around doing our stuff and we're task focused, we spend our time taking care of tasks. But when we're people focused, we invest our time. We invest our time in people. And probably the step to getting there is investing that time in
1: ourselves first. Absolutely. 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 And, and I think there's a shift, too. So I talk a lot about like nomenclature. And the, the way that we call out certain things. So for instance, self-care. It has absolutely positively become a buzzword. And now people say, okay, well, you know, the bubble baths aren't working. The pedicures are not helping. Um, I'm spending time going to like now movie theaters are back open and entertainment. I'm doing these things, but it's not pouring back into me. And that is because self-care is the first step. And I was in a workshop one time where I was talking about self-care and I was saying these, you know, going to the barbershop and doing all these things. And somebody said, yeah, it's just so that we don't look raggedy while we're just trying to live our life. Right. Self-care is the first step, because the next step and what you're talking about is self-awareness. You can do the thing, but a pedicure does not a good leader make or spending regular time going to sports events or different things. Those are surface level. Self-awareness is literally asking the questions to say, okay, what kind of leader do I want to be in my personal and professional life? And then taking time to answer that question and write the words down that are associated with, if I was a fly on the wall and someone was describing my leadership, what would I want them to say? And then saying, the subset, if I want to be an honest leader, the substep is I have to be truthful in my actions, my thoughts and my decisions, no matter if I'm in a public space or I'm in the privacy of my own office. If I want to be a vulnerable leader. That means i have to share the things with them that show my staff that show my colleagues that i'm a human being and not a human doing and where is my safe space in that where's my boundary in that because i don't want to share everything but i do want to give them a glimpse into who i am self-awareness is asking what motivates me as a leader to be successful because over the past almost three years people's motivations have shifted and changed we are seeing that with the great resignation People are saying that the work-life balance has got to be first, and that I'm not gonna do 30, 40, 50 years doing the same job, but my mental is out of whack. So my motivations have shifted. I have talked to countless leaders that have said, this is the most time I've ever spent with my significant other. We've discovered a new relationship in ourselves. So of course you're gonna go back into the school building differently. Your motivations have shifted. And then the last thing for self-awareness I say is too is how do I stay grounded when I feel overwhelmed? You are the leader. You're not the assistant follower. You're the assistant principal. So how do you manage distractions? How do you manage frustrations? And what's the public evidence that you're doing that work? Because if you're in a staff meeting, And your principal is saying, just got this from the superintendent. This is the new school improvement. And you're rolling your eyes just like the staff. If you are looking and you have the countenance of frustration that, oh, I don't know how we're going to do this. That is the mismanagement of your frustration. Why? Because you are the leader. And so I'm not saying fake the funk. But what I'm saying is be aware of even how you communicate with your body, your facial expressions because that's gonna turn the tide. And and there's, and there's one teacher, there's always one staff member who's looking to see how is she, how is he gonna manage this distraction? How is he, how is she going to manifest being overwhelmed? Because if they give up, why should I even try? Or it can go in the other direction. I know it's a lot, but our assistant principal, our principal, they believe that we can do it and gave us actionable steps. They remain positive. They remained realistic. I know I can still do this. And that is not a pedicure. That is not going to the salon. That is not, you know, going to see a Broadway play. Those are the manifestations of self-care, self-awareness that's regulating how you show up in the physical.
0: Awesome. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to go back and reframe that top piece. And then we're going to, I want to come back and revisit self-care and recap the self-awareness piece. So we're talking about systems change. And as we unpack this, I think we're talking not so much about, oh, we're going to, we're going to rebuild schools, we're going to tear down buildings. We're talking about reorienting the way we do school from the tasks that we need to achieve to reorienting a school that is focused around people, certainly around kids, but also around our teachers. So that's, that's where we're trying to go. Reorient our school to support, to focus on people. How do we do that? The first step to do that as leaders is to change ourselves and to focus on building ourselves and building our capacity. How do we do that? The first step to that is creating the space. We have to be able to create the space. And I think by the time this podcast airs, I'll have completed a, a webinar um, in the third week of September where we talk about the pull of urgency, that black hole of urgency that sucks all our time away. And the way to get out of that is not through time management, it's priority management. So the way that we change ourselves is to look at moving from time management to priority management. Because when we do that, now we create the opportunity to take that leadership sabbatical. Now we create the opportunity to understand that I have to take care of me so that I can serve others. And then using that energy and that growth, I have to prioritize, prioritize serving others and not taking care of those tasks. So I think that's the big, that's the big setup. And so now that I have, I am working based on priorities and not time. Now I'm going to dig into myself. I'm going to engage in self-care. I'm going to do self-awareness. Is there another step? And then there's self-management and self-management.
1: Yes, because self-management are those things that you do in terms of, and I'm not talking about the counting to 10 or, you know, taking a brisk walk. Those are the things where you are manifesting or physically sort of moving your body to sort of say, okay, I can regulate self-management is asking, what are the strategies that I'm going to be able to use to ensure I appropriately manage my emotions? And so when you know what works for you, then you are literally showing and modeling the way for what people-centered leadership looks like. And I think a big piece of that, that the principles that I've seen have been super successful this pandemic is when they share. This is a strategy that I use when I realize that I'm getting angry or when I'm getting frustrated. I think for a long time, you talk about purpose and resources. I think for a long time, Just as children uh, so innocently would say, oh, the teachers don't live at the schoolhouse. Our teachers, our community members, they don't either. So we are human beings, not human doings. We get angry. We get frustrated. We doubt. We do all those things. But it's how we manage them and the strategies that we have to just say, yeah, I was not hopeful that this initiative would get off the ground. But let me tell you how I managed it. That even having a teacher leader who shares those strategies with students now, our students are being inundated with more information now than ever before. And it is said that the information on the World Wide web is gonna surpass the information in the Library of Congress. We have students who are younger and younger, experiencing things that teenagers and young adults sometimes experience. So when we sow self-management, we're actually teaching our children how to be able to navigate into adulthood, into being a contributing citizen. And so when I talk about this shift, I always tell leaders that 60% of what we do moving forward should be people-centered, 40% business-centered. And I think that that percentage is gonna allow us to bring our students, bring our teachers, bring our community with us, rather than leave them at the precipice of what's happening in education. Imagine
0: being a school leader and being able to spend 60 percent of your time serving your teachers, Mm -hmm. being present with your teachers, supporting their growth and what you could do for them collectively, but also
1: individually. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it requires It requires intentional one-on-ones that aren't tied to performance because yes, the performance and professional goals are absolutely critical. Yes, the school goals and the school improvement plan and the district goals must be baked in there, but you cannot take those goals and place them on top of a person who's already dealing with so much because that's like putting a beautiful tiramisu on a garbage can lid and then serving it to someone you got to clean up how we're serving this to individuals. We are people and we are, and the beautiful part about it, we're big people, inspiring little people to be able to do life. Well, life looks different. So we have to employ different resources and different strategies.
0: As a teacher, I was always really focused on my kids and passionate and, and gave to my kids, but I, I didn't share that with my colleagues. So I was just task focused. I want to get in. I'm taking care of my kids and I didn't worry about the other people. And for me, relationships meant that purely professional, right? How what, How are we going to do this lesson plan? How are we going to serve these kids? How do we bring resources to this project we want to do? And it's taken me a long time to understand that relationships have the professional component. When we talk about collegial relationships, professional, but they have to have the social component. And if
1: we have learned If we haven't learned anything through this pandemic, we should have learned that. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I I will tell you when I did a workshop a couple of months ago with a group of school leaders and teachers and uh, everybody introduced themselves. Hi, my name is so-and-so. I teach this grade level. I'm uh, this assistant principal. And I said, I want to flip this. I want us to do the introductions again, because what you just described is what you do. We are human beings, not human doings. Now I want you to introduce yourself as a human being. So if I were to introduce myself, I would say, hi, my name is Mary Hemphill. I am a sister. I'm a daughter. I am the fur baby mama to a sweet six pound shorty. I love Pilates. I love to travel and meeting new people and new cultures and exploring all the things and, and places on this beautiful planet nine times out of 10, people found so much more deep connection in my human being introduction than my human doing. But in that workshop in particular, I had a teacher come to up to me afterwards and an an assistant principal. And the two of them said, I had no idea. I've been teaching and working with you for six years. And I had no idea we had this connection. And why is that? It's because D, E, and I, another buzzword, has a caused us over the past decade to focus so much on diversity and how we are different versus embracing our similarities and our sameness that if we were to really focus on the fact that we're beings and not doings you would find that teachers who have taught across the hall from each other for 15 20 years you have more in common than you think that's where you come where that's where we have human connection and we don't just focus on diversity 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 is beautiful but it's also over the past couple of years has served to separate us a little bit too. And I can't, we need to come together more in the school community than we are uh, polarizing one another.
0: I think it's the, it's the work of coming into the school and me seeing who you are before I see what you are. Mm. Mm. And again, going back to that task focus, when we're task focused and when we're prioritizing time, we're focused on what you are because understanding who you are, that, that takes a different, you know, I've got to be present for that. I can't be worried about those other things. My priority has to be you.
1: Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Focus on who you are, not what you are. And imagine as leaders, if we were able to focus on who our students were are versus what they are as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talk about, you know, meeting with students and and really asking them critical questions as well to understand who they are. But just as we do that with students and we bake that into our classroom, our lesson plans, we have to know who our staff is and bake that into our plan as well. Uh, we were able, my last year as a middle school principal, we understood that the burnout was just huge. It was just just one of those years. And I did not realize at the time that our local high school had a cosmetology program where their graduating seniors had to get hours. And so I called up the high school principal and I asked him, I was like, okay, I have this idea. Don't know if it's going to work. I'd already talked to the superintendent. And I said, but What if during the whole lunch block, your seniors in the cosmetology program were to come and set up in our teacher's lounge and do paraffin waxes, do massages, do all the hands and stuff, the things that they need on our teachers in order to get their hours? High school principal is like, I think that's a great idea. So we set up a spa and we had lemonade and orange slices and all of these things, nominal fee with this absolutely fantastic students coming in. And even though it was only like 30, 45 minutes for each of the teachers to be able to come in and relax, it was intentional, it was purposeful, and it was a local response to what the teachers needed in order to go back and be their best selves from students. When we talk about disruption, we have to remember that this is not going to look the way that it used to you know before you would do uh, after school activities with teachers and ice cream socials and things and there's nothing wrong with that but we have to think differently we have to think about our resources differently because there you have purpose and structure and resources just realigned and used in a completely different way within the system that already existed but it served a greater purpose than test scores but did it? Because I don't know about you. Teachers who are mentally clear are able to create better lesson plans and relationships with their students to get students to achieve more.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> OK, we're we're going to have you back and I'm not taking no for an answer as busy as you are. We're going to have you back. And I want to go back through the nomenclature, self-care, self-awareness, self-management. So let's do a, a show or something we'll do a yeah. webinar whatever we do sure. we're going to focus on that um but i want to pull pull it together here when we we hadn't planned this out um a lot before we started talking and i think my head was in this idea of structural disruption and when we think about the standards movement and some of those other things i think those were targeted structural structural disruption which part of the reason doesn't work is because organizations just exist in this place of of stasis. They're always changing, but they're also always going back to where they were. So structural disruption is not the answer. We're talking about a different kind of disruption. And I want to think human
1: disruption. That's not quite right. Can you help us? Oh goodness. Um <laughs> I it, it it's mindset disruption. You know, it's not we're not trying to disrupt people's lives. We're trying to shift the mindset to the fact that doing hand massages and having students come over is not a waste of time. It's actually an investment in purpose. Um, it's a mindset shift that if I say, let's start the, the staff meeting and spend about five minutes getting to know who we are, that it's not, okay, well, this is a waste of time, but this is another investment in our culture. So the mindset disruption is that we have to spend a lot more time investing, like you said, in who we are so that what we do is more purposeful, more meaningful, and that I don't feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Mm -hmm. I come away with a stronger connection to my colleague, a stronger connection to myself because some of this has to be individual. And when I do that, I'm actually in a better mindset. I'm actually in a better mental space to be able to say, okay, now, the standards and accountability systems are shifting, but I can't plot that on top of the fact that my home is in disruption or that I don't feel, I just don't feel good, but I don't know what's wrong. Right. Cause there's a lot of teachers and leaders who are asking, I don't know what's wrong. Can't pinpoint it, but that work helps us do the work better.
0: Okay. I will pull one other thing out of here and then we'll wrap this show up. And You had talked about self-care, self-awareness, self-management. One of the most amazing joys for me in doing this podcast is the amazing leaders that I've been able to have on the show. And there's so many times when people are just uplifting, as hard as it is, this is an uplifting conversation. And if people go back over the last few episodes, we've had some leaders on that are just so incredibly inspiring to me the thing that the common thread that works through all those leaders that we've talked to that have inspired us is an a, they know who they are and they're authentic about who they are and, and so if you want to be that leader out there and you're trying to get to that place where first you can inspire yourself and then you can use that inspiration to share with others you've got to go back to what You've said today, Mary, which is taking that time to do the work on yourself. You have got to understand yourself and who you are, and be be, and then and then let that understanding drive your authenticity. And then that's that's the bridge
1: I think you can share out. Absolutely agree. Absolutely, that authenticity, that 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 space, and being able to thrive there changes the whole educational landscape for the better.
0: And we're going to dig into the steps to do that when we get together next time. Absolutely. Can't wait. Okay. So as we wrap this up, I always ask the same three questions. What are you trying to work on in your own leadership?
1: Right now, I'm really trying to work on understanding what this next phase of the educational evolution is going to look like. And how we can approach leadership, whether that is assessments, whether that is, like you said, the structure and the purpose differently. So I am following some things that I talked about earlier, the Gallup polls, understanding the emotional temperature of our country and what this is going to mean for the future of education. They're doing a lot of federal studies as well on learning loss and what that means and what it looks like across our country. And again, the nomenclature. We can't continue to sound like 10 years ago. So for instance, um, I'm reading a wonderful article on diversity and what that's going to look like in schools to really kind of ready myself and ready the leaders that I work with and that I coach in the schools that I consult with to understand that we're turning that or and moving that tide in the right direction of not what's trending, but what is trending in here to stay and how do we create sustainable systems around that?
0: And so if listeners could take away just one thing from today's
1: podcast, what would that be? Mm -hmm. And it really goes back to our original podcast. Have the courage to take time to spend with yourself. Put yourself on your calendar. Show up for that meeting on time. Spend some intentional and strategic effort and investment in understanding who you want to be moving forward and understand that this is not about 21st century leadership. This is about the impact that your leadership in the 21st century is going to make in the 22nd century.
0: Having the courage to take care of yourself, I think, is harder than having the courage to take care of other people.
1: Agreed, 100%.
0: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. leaders out there, if we want to be courageous, take care of yourself.
1: Okay. Anything else you want to leave the audience with? I I think that's all. This has been a wonderful conversation. And I'm just so happy that our leaders have a space where they can come and engage, but also learn and hear how they can forge ahead because it is hard but I love that they have podcasts and they have you and they have great speakers to be able to listen to, to help guide them on their journey. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: Uh, It's, it's been a pleasure. And as we wrap up, I'm actually really excited because Your role has changed in the last few months, and we can present some opportunities that I think listeners can really engage with you and learn more from you and maybe work with you in other capacities as well. So, Mary, I want to give you a couple minutes at the end here to talk about some of the things that you're doing and how some of the listeners might come in and engage and be able to learn more from you.
1: Absolutely. So thank you again. And if all the listeners want to be able to follow me on social media, I'm at Twitter and Instagram at The Limitless Lady. You can also go to our website, www.bealimitlessleader.com. And if you haven't picked up our book, One Minute Meeting. It is a strategy where we meet with every child in the building for one minute and ask them strategic questions about their experience in schools and then how to bake that into how we transform and evolutionize our school buildings. And you can pick that up on Amazon or barnesandnobles.com.
0: Awesome. And we will put links to all of those things in the show notes.
1: Thank you so much. Ah, Okay, Mary. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day.
0: Thank you. All right, that's the show. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or please subscribe and rate to this podcast. If you have feedback for me, we're always trying to make things better. You can email me at frederick at Frederickbusky.com. If you want to learn more about what we're doing for assistant principals and school leaders, you can go to my website at frederickbuskey.com backslash the assistant principal. That wraps up today's show. I'm Frederick Busky, and I hope you'll join me next time for the Assistant Principal Podcast. Cheers.